Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Simple Church. My name's Aaron, and uh, we're so glad that we're here. Can we give a round of applause for our guests and let them know that they are welcome today? Thank you so much for being here. As uh, Tim said during meet and greet, and maybe you had an opportunity to grab a t-shirt, but the t-shirts are here for you. It is our gift to you for being here for the first time, so thanks for coming. Make sure you grab one of those on your way out the Right here at the Connect Center, it's that, it's that table right outside the door here, okay? So we are in the middle of a series called Not a Fan, and uh, this is, we began this series last week um, looking at the, uh, the, the concept, and, and it began with a discussion about what's called a DTR. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship for any length of, of time, or maybe you dated around, you understand what a DTR is, and, and if you don't know what those symbols or what, those ac- what that acronym is for, I'll explain it. It's the determine the relationship. Most guys, when they sit down and start having this conversation with the girl that they're dating, they run for the hills, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, geez, this thing is getting serious, but... Uh, but determining the relationship is really important, especially when you're dating, because if you don't have that DTR moment, that determine the relationship moment, then you guys continue on in blissful ignorance of what each other is thinking, right? You just, one guy's having fun and she's getting serious, but if they don't know that, then they'll just continue on. So they have to have this conversation, right? And it's when they have this conversation, this determine the relationship, it's like, what is it that we have here? What exactly are we doing? When they have that conversation, if he or she is just in a place of having fun and the other is wanting to have a more serious commitment, well, then they may decide at that point to part ways. Or they may decide, okay, I'm wanting to have fun, but I need to get serious because she wants to get serious and I value her and she's looking for this and so I need to shift. And so a shift is made one way or the other. For the good or for the bad, they either continue together or they part ways. And so as we're looking at this subject, this, this idea of being, are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you a follower of Christ who has understood what it is he's called you to do, the commitment he's called you to have, or are you just a fan of his work? Are you just, you think he's a really great guy, he's got some good ideas, you're all for that love thing, Justin Bieber style, you're like, yeah, I'm in. I'm a fan of, of love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue over the next five weeks. We're going to be discussing what it looks like to be a fan and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And today, we're going to look at Jesus' invitation to follow him. More specifically, who he invited to follow him. What he extended that invitation. So the question I have for you is, you ever seen one of those car dealership commercials, right? Where they've got a really fancy car on there and they're like, for qualified lessees or buyers or whatever. They said, or they're like, anyone can get this car. And you go in and you find out that that's not actually the case. See, there is this thing called the asterisk, right? That's at the end of that sentence that says anyone can buy a car here. And if you don't pay attention to that asterisk, you go in there and you kind of find out that, well, it's not really true that anyone can't get a car. Because see, if you follow that asterisk that's on that sentence in the pretty commercial, down to the bottom of the screen, you see that it says for qualified buyers. What does that mean? Well, if you pass their, their credit check, then you can get this car. So when they say anyone, they don't really mean anyone. They, they just don't. 
Or if you've, if you've ever seen one of those commercials that are like, hey, if you, if you can get this and this special deal and, and come in and do it today and sign up. And so you go in. I've had one of those moments. I watched it was years ago. It was with AT&T. And I was already an AT&T customer, but they were advertising this locked-in, fixed, low, crazy rate for like a year. And so I walked into the AT&T store, and I'm like, hey, I'd like to get switched over to that plan because it just makes sense. I'm, I've been a customer for a while. Why not have that? And they looked at me and they said, oh, no, sir, I'm sorry. That, that's not really for you. And I said, yeah, but, I mean, you said, you, no, 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 no. See, you understand there was an asterisk. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> the parentheses says that, that that's for new customers only. And I said, so wait, so you're telling me that if I just cancel my account with you today, left the building, and then came back in a week, maybe a day or two, that I would be considered a new customer at that point and I could have that deal? There was some silence as they calculated some looking up and to the left. Yes, that's what we're telling you. That's stupid, I said, and I walked out of the store. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So when they say that anyone, they're not really talking about anyone. They're talking about a particular group of people. They were talking about just new customers. So when the Bible says something, when it says things like anyone, it's very common for us to take this, this, our cultural image or ideology of what anyone means and apply it to the Bible. So we're going to jump in. We're going to look at at Jesus' invitation. Today, if you're here and you don't own a Bible and you would like one, we would love to bless you with a Bible. You just need to put your hand in the air like this. One of my service hosts will make sure that you have a Bible to take home and is our gift to you. But the verses will also be up on the screen. We're going to be in Luke 9. This is where we were last week. And we're going to hang out. And this is the only verse I'm using today. You want to keep it simple? This is how we do it. This is the only verse that we're using. We're in Luke 9, 23. And it says, if anyone, there's that word anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So when making this invitation to potential followers during Jesus' time, he invited anyone. Anyone. And what does that mean? That means that, that when Jesus said, hey, come follow me, that anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome to follow after Jesus. But I think over the years that we've gotten to the point that even when we hear Jesus say, anyone, we think, all right, what's the the catch? Who's who's excluded from it? Where's the small print? Where's the hidden fees? But it's all laid out in this verse, and it's open to anyone. And Jesus said, anyone. And so the crowds would have known that he meant anyone if they just would have looked at the disciples that were actually following him during that time. They would have known that he meant it. Because you have to understand, during Jesus' time, he was a rabbi, okay? And a rabbi, uh, as a rabbi, he was a teacher of the law. Now, he was homeless and unconventional in his ways, but he was still a respected rabbi. See, Jesus spoke with authority. He knew things that a man of his age shouldn't know. And so he was respected in his community as a teacher of, of the law and of the word. And, at the, and the word at that time was Genesis, Exodus, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the first five books of the Bible. They called this the Torah. And he was an expert in that. That's what all rabbis were. They were experts in that. And they also understood the prophets. They could quote the prophets. They knew them front and back. And and the rabbis were were not only special because they had all this knowledge and they could teach, but they also had a group of people that followed them around. These people were called their Talmids, okay? But essentially what a Talmid is, is a student or a, a disciple. We see that word a lot as we read through the Bible. Around simple church, we use the term apprentice because we understand that in our modern day context a little better, don't we? Master and apprentice. We get that. We are learning from them. We want to be like the master, so we do as an apprentice what they do. 
And so the rabbi would have these, these, these group of people that would follow him around everywhere. And, and this was this in, incredibly exclusive group of students. Because see, not just anybody could be a Talmud. Most people didn't end up as students of the rabbi. In fact, those who didn't make the cut often wound up learning a trade of their own, like the family trade, or they would learn, learn something to do within their city or their village that was needed. They would become farmers. They would become fishermen. They would go and work the markets. They, they all found things to do because they could not be a Talmud. And for those students wanting to become one of the Talmuds of a particular rabbi, they had to go through an application process. And firstly, what we need to understand is that they had all these prerequisites before they could even approach the, the rabbi and say, hey, I would like to get in. You needed to know what, the, what a Talmud needed to know. See, a Talmud needed to have the first five books of the Bible memorized. Memorized. Like they needed to, if a rabbi said, quote me all of Deuteronomy, they had to sit there and quote all of it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then they would ask, or they would ask him silly questions like, how many times was the Lord's name used in Leviticus chapter 10? Like, and they would have to tell them during, in that section, the Lord's name was used this many times. Like, you had to have a list of prerequisites before you could even become a Talmud. It's, it's kind of like our modern day GPA, right? Like in order to get into Harvard, you've got to have like a 4.0 GPA or the, to get into Harvard, you've got to have a 32 on your ACT or a 14, or sorry, excuse me, excuse me a 1600 on your SAT scores. If you don't have those, then, then you're probably not getting in. And so it's the same with the Talmuds applying to join a rabbi's schools. And Talmuds had to have this impressive knowledge of the scripture. And this, was, this application process was intense, and it was a painstaking process. But it was, it was there because the, the rabbi needed to be thorough because the excellence of the student reflected the excellence of the teacher. If you were a good student, you made the teacher look good. And so they were very cautious about who they chose. If, if you had a bunch of people following you that were not a, men and women of excellence, then they just kind of assumed you were not a sought-after teacher. But if your Talmuds were especially brilliant, wow, you were esteemed. You were looked at as, that's the guy. That's who everybody wants to follow. But Jesus came onto the scene as a rabbi, respected. And he turns the whole system upside down. And he did it with one invitation in particular to a tax collector. Check out this video. When Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, he was making it clear that his invitation to follow is not just for the religious elite or for the morally upright, for those who have their lives together. His invitation is for all of us who are hiding some stains. Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Anyone. Anyone is a pretty inclusive word. Anyone can follow Jesus. Anyone who's ever thought to themselves, I've gone too far, my stain is too big. Anyone who's ever laid awake at night and said, I can't believe what I've done. Anyone who's ever looked in the mirror and said to themselves, I can't believe what I've become. Anyone can follow. So when word gets out that a new rabbi 
is out there and is picking followers at random, people started to wonder what was going on. They, they came to hear this incredible teacher named Jesus. But when they looked at his disciples, I think they were a bit confused. They must have been, because they must have shook their heads and said, look at these guys. Two of those guys, they're fishermen. Those two are political hotheads, and this guy's a tax collector. Now, if you don't understand the, the, the time, when you, when you read your Bible, you can't just let that go by. Because as much as we all hate paying taxes, I get it. A guy from the IRS shows up at your door, you're not really happy. But during that time, you needed to understand that the IRS guy lived among you. He was one of your people. He was a Jewish guy that was collecting money from you for the Roman government. He is somebody who essentially turned his back on his people and became somebody who worked for the enemy. And so he was considered a dog. He was considered an outcast. And on top of that, when they came to collect money from you, to collect the taxes that you owed to the Roman government, they would always take a little more than what they were supposed to take and line their pockets with them. So you can understand why this outcast, this scourge of society would confuse people that he is the one following Jesus. Jesus changed everything. And when Jesus said that anyone was welcome, the crowds began to understand that that meant everyone was welcome. And it's true, because anyone means everyone. But here's the struggle, though I think we'd never say it. We don't always buy into the idea that Jesus or church should be for just anyone. We don't like that idea. We kind of like church the way it is, don't we? We usually prefer things to stay the same, and same soon becomes standard, and pretty soon standard becomes a qualification. And I think that Jesus knew that this was going to happen. I think that's why in, in Luke 9, 23, he reminds us that there shouldn't be any qualifications to who that invitation is made. So Jesus does away with the qualifications to follow. He got rid of the, of the long list of prerequisites. He did away with the standard application process. He even waived the fee. Praise God. And I think that the church should do away with some of our qualifications. I think we usually don't talk about it, but we've got this unwritten code, don't we? For like instance, in most churches when you go to church, there's this unspoken dress code, right? There's like, there's a particular way you have to dress in order to come here. Now, thank God, we don't have that here. Our dress code, if you've been hanging around at Simple Church for any time, you know that the dress code here is please wear clothes. That's all we ask. If you are naked in any form or fashion, then we will have a conversation and remove you to my office and put you in several t-shirts right away. But, but I would say over the past few decades, there's been a little bit of this unwritten political code too. And, and in most churches, uh, there have been all kinds of things that have been added to this unwritten code, like, like should we or shouldn't we ever consume alcohol, or whether or not you should listen to this or, or to that style of music, or what your income is, or what your social agenda is, or what your church denomination is, or, or how your kids behave. Determine whether you're welcome at a church. This list stacks up pretty quickly. And sure, the church keeps saying anyone is welcome. But when you look at how the members dress or when you see how they lean politically or, or which way they prefer, or what kind of music they accept, it becomes clear that there are some qualifications that you have to meet to follow Jesus. But Jesus, Jesus didn't just get rid of the qualifications when Jesus said anyone, he did something else. In eliminating the qualifications, Jesus got rid of all the excuses. 
He got rid of all the excuses. No qualifications means no excuses. That means anybody can apply. Anybody can come. Anyone and everyone. You have no excuse. When Jesus invites him to follow him, he doesn't just break down the barriers to keep so many people from learning more about God. He also got rid of all the excuses different people have. And we're not really comfortable with that. We, we don't like that, right? But during Jesus' day, the, the tradesmen, the tradesmen who, who were not accepted as a Talmud could now follow a rabbi. Or the dropout student couldn't complain that, that about his past anymore. The mother of four couldn't say that she never had a chance to learn from a rabbi. So, so let's bring it here. Let's bring it to today. What's your excuse? Why aren't you following Jesus? Is it because you're so busy? What are you so busy with? Is it because you're, you're taking time to focus on your marriage? I hear that one a lot. Is it because you're too busy putting in hours at work? Is it because the kids need a lot of time and attention? And don't get me wrong, kids need a lot of time and attention. I've got three boogers of my own, I understand. Or is it because times are rough and you've had to take a second job? Is that why you're too busy? Others say it's because they've got a past that they're not proud of. So the baggage from the addiction or the divorce or the bankruptcy has been an excuse for a long time. And it's really easy, I would say, to hide behind any of these excuses because let's be honest, who's going to argue with somebody who's been hurt? Somebody who's been damaged by tragedy or someone who's emotionally scarred? It's hard to argue with somebody who uses those as a shield, who uses their excuses for why they're not following Jesus. But Jesus gets rid of all excuses when he invites anyone to follow him. Anyone is welcome to have a relationship with Jesus. Anyone. You say, Aaron, I've got a sexual past you don't understand. See, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many people I've slept with. You don't know what I've done to my body. Jesus is anyone. Maybe you're an ex-con. You say, Aaron, I'm one of the scourges of society. I've made mistakes. I can't be part of this. I'm not worthy of God's love. Jesus is anyone. Or maybe there's somebody listening by the podcast today. Maybe you're currently an inmate and you're paying for your crimes. And you say, I'm not worthy of this. And Jesus says, anyone. Or maybe you're recently divorced. You say, Aaron, I, I, I blew it. I lost my family, my selfishness. I got carried away. I lost it all. Jesus is anyone. Or maybe you're an alcoholic and you say to me, Aaron, you don't know how many times I've tried to put down this bottle. You don't know how many times I've tried to walk away with, from it. You don't know who I become when I start to drink. But Jesus said anyone. Or maybe you're an addict. You say, you don't know the dark places that I've gone to score my next hit. You know, know the things that I've had to do, the lies that I've told. Jesus said anyone. Maybe you're a legalist. You're somebody who lives by the letter of the law. You do everything right. You strive for perfection. But in doing so, you're broken. Because you can't do it. You fail. Jesus said anyone is welcome. Anyone. Now, we need to be ready for what happens when we say that anyone can come. When we embrace that invitation as a church. 
Because if anyone can come to the church, that'll kind of mess things up a little bit, right? Because next thing you know, we'll have a bunch of unchurched people hanging around, which I am thankful for every Sunday that we have people from all different kinds of backgrounds here at this church. But it is not that way everywhere. And it would be really, really easy to get a good thing going here at Simple Church. It'd be a really, really easy thing to say, we've got this, we've got this unlocked, we've, we're walking with the people who came in broken, and now everybody's doing really good, and we don't want anybody else to come in because, man, that was a lot of work. That took a lot of love, that took a lot of patience. No, 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 no. If you're broken, you need to go down this street. There's, there's rain ass right next door. If we're not careful, that's where we'll go. We can't do that as a church. If we really accept anyone into our churches to follow Christ, we will be forced to deal with our unwritten codes. We'll be forced to get out of our comfort zone and rub shoulders with people. People from different backgrounds and social circles. People who have different music collections that they like and different recreational activities than us. People whose wardrobes confuse us or annoy us. (laughs) People who are hard to tolerate and even harder to love. But followers are willing to break down these walls. Followers are willing to trash the unwritten codes and welcome anyone into God's family right alongside Jesus. And some of you are probably thinking, wait a minute, hold on. We can't just allow anyone into our church. We can't just let people show up and invite them into God's family and tolerate anything they want. That's not biblical, and you're right. But that, hold on a second, that's not what I'm talking about. See, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying we tolerate or condone anything sinful. I, when a person wants to come to, be, uh, to, to Christ, it is right that they should, we should make sure that they understand what God's Word allows and what it doesn't. But anyone is welcome. Anyone. About a year ago, I had a conversation with a man who was coming to Simple Church. Who was it? None of your business. But he was coming here. And he said, Aaron, he said, man, I love Simple Church. The people are warm. The coffee is hot. It's good. And this is when we were down the street in a funeral home. If you haven't been with us very long, we, we used to rock out in a funeral parlor. It's where God brought us. It was awesome. And despite that, he said, I really love Simple Church. And, you don't, and I said, well, that's great. I'm so glad that you're here. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, my wife. My wife really determines where we go to church. See, she doesn't want to go to church anywhere else. She's been to other places. It feels different here. She, she wants to come here. I said, well, that's awesome. He said, no. He said, she's wanted to come here for the last three weeks, every Sunday. Let's go to Simple Church. Let's go to Simple Church. Let's go to Simple Church. And I love that. I love that our people made them feel welcome. I love that as a congregation, we accept anyone. I love that. He said, but, I said, oh, here it comes. He said, I've got a problem. He said, you've got certain people coming to your church. He said, I can't stand to worship with. Who was that? None of your business. What was their sin? None of your business. If you're asking. Stay with me, though. He said, I'm sitting there worshiping. And he said, and I open my eyes, and they're standing there with their hands up, worshiping. And he said, I just get angry. I just get mad. You can't let people like that into your church. Why are they there? And so I took time with him, and I was broken. And I said, because the invitation's for anyone. I would rather them be there and hear about the love of God 
than to push them out where they have no hope, where they have no opportunity to hear. And I prayed with him, provided him some resources, and said, I would love to get coffee and talk about this more because this has got to be worked out in your heart if you're going to stay around here with us. And he didn't. We had a DTR. We had a determine the relationship moment. He was welcome, but that attitude was not. And he didn't come back. I say all that to say this because when Jesus extends the invitation, he says, anyone. And some of the people who respond to that invitation will have a past that you don't approve of. Some of them will have been involved in lifestyles that you'd be embarrassed to hear about. And fans don't know how to handle people with a turbulent past. See, they prefer to keep things shallow. They prefer to keep things comfortable. They, they prefer to keep you at an arm's distance. But followers are willing to listen. They are willing to hear the stories of brokenness and sin and still welcome those people with open arms. This last point that I have to make, and we're, and we're going to close here in a minute, is crucial to making sure that we help all people, both brand new Christians and long-time believers, move into like a completely, re, completely committed relationship with Jesus. The last thing you need to know about this invitation that Jesus extends, it's for anyone, but it's everything. When Jesus makes this invitation... He welcomes anyone who would come to him, but he also makes it clear that when you, use to, when you choose to follow him, that you are giving up everything. So it's anyone, but it's everything. When a Talmud was finally accepted into following a rabbi, their responsibility from that point on was to follow. Now, I don't mean just, just you know, show up, it was from 8 to 5, and that's what they... I mean, their job was to follow everything that the, the rabbi did. If he went to preach, they were there. If he was there to teach, they were there. If he went to the market, they were there. If he went to the restroom, they waited outside. But then when he came back out, if he went to see the sick, they went. If he went to see the lepers, the outcasts of society, they, they went. Wherever the rabbi went is where they would go. In order to demonstrate how important it is as a Talmud or as a student who was to follow, I've decided to try something, something I love, one of my pastimes, one of my passions, and that's, that's sleight of hand magic and things like that. I, I'm kind of a geek that way. Today I'm going to do something for you. But I've, I've, I'm going to involve all of you, and uh, as quickly as we can, our service host, if you have, don't have them already, should have given you four playing cards four playing cards. So if you don't have them, just kind of wave at somebody. Josh and Ryan are moving as quickly as possible. Once you receive your four cards, you can look at them for a second, but then I want you to take them and make them face down just like this and begin to shuffle them. So keep your hands up. Guys are moving as quickly as possible. Pass stacks down the aisles if you need to so that we can do this, but just mix them up face down just like this. Now the importance here in this whole thing is that you follow me. Listen carefully to what I say. If you want to have a good end to this, okay? Is everybody playing along? Everybody have cards that wants cards? Fantastic. Stop shuffling them, and here's what I need you to do. I want you to fold your cards in half. I know this goes against the grain of everything that you know, but you didn't pay for those cards I did, so just fold them. 
If you're playing along at home through the podcast, push pause on this while everybody folds their cards and go get four playing cards. Your grandma's going to be mad at you, but you can replace them. It's just three bucks a pack. Quit being so cheap. All right, here we go. (laughs) Or go to deals and get them for a dollar. I don't know. All right, so just fold it back and forth a couple times. Make sure that that heavy crease is there. You're going to need that in just a moment. Make sure it's nice and heavy. Everybody with me? Say yeah. All right. I heard a few proper yeses out there being with me. That's okay. Here we go. Go ahead and rip the card right down that crease, okay? I know this goes against everything that you know. But rip. And once you've ripped, you'll have two packets. Keep them separate for just a moment. Everybody got their cards ripped? All right. There's a packet on your right and a packet on your left. Depends on which way you're facing. It doesn't really matter. This is your free choice. Understand free choice here. Put one on top of the other. Don't shuffle. Just put one on top of the other. Okay. Everybody good? Now spread them out in your hands. There should be eight halves. And I want you just to kind of lift up wherever you want to. Essentially, you're just going to cut the cards and complete the cut. Don't shuffle. Just, just cut and complete it. So wherever you, if you lift up here, just kind of do like that. Cut them. Everybody with me? All right. Now I want you to take the top three cards that you have there, and I want you to stuff them in the middle. Now before you do this, understand that the middle is not the top, it is not the bottom. It is between those two cards, the top and the bottom. You can place them anywhere in the middle you'd like, either together or separately. But in the middle they go. This new top card, take it and put it in your pocket or sit on it, whatever. Just set it aside. Now, everybody is sitting next to somebody. You've got somebody on your right or your left. If you don't, you can just do the instructions yourself or find somebody to play along with, okay? But take the top three, take them, and hand them to the person on your left. Hand them to the person on your left. And somebody needs to give her some three down here. She She needs three over here. You can, give, you, can get, you can just pass your three. Did, did you pass your three? Yeah, somebody, yep, there, there, there are your three. Oh, no, don't, don't put them back in yet. Now take your, take your three. Who has an extra set of three? You do. Angie does, right here, go right here. Yep, go ahead, yep, take them. Take those three, and, and don't do anything with them yet. Now put them into the middle. You can put these anywhere you want to in the middle, either together or individually, however you want in the middle. That means not on top, not on bottom. Put them in there and do it now. Okay. Now, take the next top piece and pass it to the person on your, what did I say, left last time, to the person on your right. So just, just find a buddy and do this. Make it easy. All right, good. So everybody's got one piece now, new piece. Bury that somewhere in the middle, anywhere you want. Quickly move, 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 make it happen. Know that you can get up to make that happen. Do what you need to do. All right, now... Take the next top piece. Not wait. Take the next. Okay, this is your choice. Take the next one. Take the next two. Take the next three or take the next four, whichever you choose. So everybody's going to do something different here and bury them in the middle. So whether it's one, two, three, or four, do it now, but bury them in the middle. Everybody good? All right. 
Your new top card. Take it and put it on the bottom. The new top card, throw it on the floor. Don't worry, you'll clean it up in a minute. (laughs) Take the new top card and put it to the bottom. The new one to the floor. We're going to keep a cycle like this to the bottom, to the floor, to the bottom, to the floor, to the bottom, to the floor, to the bottom, to the floor. Now, don't look just yet. You should have one card left. Everybody got the seat? You can see your back. Pull out the piece, and I just want you to touch the backs to see if they match. Do they match? All right, on the count of three, I'm going to have you turn over your pieces. And if your pieces match on the face, I want you to yell out, ta-da. One, two, three. Ha-ha! There you go. Success. Success. It's okay. Hold your applause. Oh, you're already doing that. That's fine. All right, get it together, people. It's just a magic trick. Demon! Look, I get it. I, I know this is silly, but I, I take opportunities to do that. I, I love to be silly. I love to have fun. But being very, very serious here, the Talmud would literally follow the rabbi around, just like you followed me in that trick. Everything I told you to do, you found a way. You came against some complications, but you found a way to follow. How do I overcome this? Well, I, I got to do it. If I want the end result, I got I to do it. I got to follow. And so to follow this rabbi named Jesus, this would cost even more than it would cost to follow anybody else because Jesus, if he was the rabbi, he decided to live without a home, you would be without a home. You would travel the countryside and sleep wherever Jesus laid his head. And if Jesus, the rabbi, decided to go among sinners where nobody wanted to be, then you would go and have dinner with sinners. If he wanted to go among the lepers and touch them, you would go among the lepers and you would touch them if he went among the shameful that's that's where you would be found and if Jesus the rabbi decided not to flee from persecution his students would follow him and that's what Jesus offers the greatest teacher who ever lived offers you the chance to be one of his students and when he says anyone he means everyone And with no qualifications, you've got no excuse. And even though he makes the invitation to anyone, he also guarantees you that it will cost you everything. So I have a question. Are you ready? Are you willing to follow this rabbi called Jesus? For those of you who are already following Jesus, are you ready for anyone to join you in that following? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, you're included in that whosoever. Every person under the sound of my voice. You're a whosoever. And all you have to do to engage in the most abundant life you could have here on earth and eternity in heaven with God is believe in Christ. That's how it begins. You say, Aaron, I don't, I don't know how that begins. Well, I'll tell you, it begins with the prayer. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, or maybe you have before and you've walked away, this invitation is for you. 
say, today, today I will follow Jesus. So if that's you and you say, Aaron, I don't know how to pray, that's okay, I'll give you the words. If you say, Aaron, I want to be included on that prayer, then I'd like you to put your hand in the air and let me know you're here. Just shoot it up in the air right now. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that honesty. I'm going to pray the prayer, and it begins like this. It says, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And let me tell you, with with everybody's head bowed and eyes still closed, that that this journey begins with John 3.16, saying, whosoever would believe. But it continues with Jesus' invitation from Luke 9.23, to come after him, take up your cross. Essentially, that invitation looks like this, come and die. Daily. To follow him daily. And so, Lord, now I pray for the church. I pray for everyone that is here, Lord, that that you would help us to be those that love and accept anyone that Jesus would call to follow. That we would tear down the walls and rid ourselves of the unspoken and unwritten codes and qualifications of what a Christ follower looks like. That you would build your church here among us and that we may go out and win the world for you to make you famous, Jesus, do it in. Help us be followers, not just fans. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At the end of every service, we extend an invitation to you to reflect. It's just a minute to think about what I've just said. How does it impact you? How are you going to be different today because of what you've heard? This is an important part of what we do here as a church. It's part of our culture. We decide to be different. I'm I'm reading this book on, on habits by Charles Duhigg. And one of the things he said in there was so impactful to me. He said, as today, so tomorrow. I believe he was quoting someone else. You've probably heard it before. But what does that mean? It means that what you decide to do today is who you will be tomorrow, is what you will do tomorrow. So if you decide today, well, this reflection moment, this, this time that I could spend deciding how I'm going to be different, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. Well, when tomorrow comes, guess what you'll do? You'll, you'll put it off again. This is why the scriptures say today is the day of salvation. Today is your opportunity to be different. I'll give you some suggestions. I'll give you some ideas maybe as you're thinking through. Maybe maybe you're one of those ones who's accepted Christ. If you've done that, let me tell you, the first thing you need to do is get connected to a church. You need to get connected to a body of believers. Take out your connection card, fill it out. Flip it over on the back and say, get me more information on how to get involved. You want to get to know some people? You want to get connected with people? That's what you need to do so that you have some people to walk this Christian life out with. Others of you, you're in this room and you've been looking down your nose at somebody around here. You've said anyone, but you didn't mean it. And today, you need to make a decision to repent of that attitude. And today, maybe, you need to say, I'm going to commit to inviting that person to coffee. Today. Or maybe to lunch. Now, every lunch invitation does not need to be awkward at the end of service. But maybe. Maybe you can have a a truthful conversation with somebody. And apologize. Repent to them. That's healthy. That builds the church 
And you need to have that conversation. Other of you simply just need to repent because you've put Jesus' invitation to anyone in a box. And you need to ask God, Lord, who do I need to be inviting? And he may lay a name on your heart. Write that name down. Begin praying for that person and then invite them. Invite them to church on Sunday morning. What's so hard about that? Who's here because somebody else invited you to be here today? Just out of curiosity. Put your hand up. Huh. Amazing how that works. Maybe that's what you need to do today. But take just a moment. Think about it. We'll come up and close the service.